situation. He threw a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my win. So it looks like the Tampa Bay Rays, with their victory today, have tied a major league record for the most victories to start a given season. Now, it's impressive. You, get, you know, It's hard to imagine a team being able to put together that many consecutive wins. And obviously the way the Rays have done it has been pretty impressive. They are now tied with the 1982 Braves. They're also tied with the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers, the only two other teams in Major League Baseball history to win their 13 consecutive or first 13 consecutive games to start the season. Now, if you look at where do they go from here? Because one thing that stands out about baseball from all different sports is the longevity of it. The fact that it's 162 games, the fact that it's probably too many games needed, more games than necessary to determine what the cream of a given league is. I think baseball should consider shortening its season. It's something we're probably not going to see anytime soon. But that being said, the Rays winning their 13th consecutive game obviously puts them in elite company. The Braves of 1982 won the National League Western Division. By the way, they fought the Dodgers up till the end. They almost lost the division. But they won the division, made it to the NLCS, lost to the eventual World Series champion, St. Louis Cardinals. The Brewers in 1987 went 13-0. It stands out that they didn't make the postseason that year. But just remember, you're talking about pre-wild card. So right now, be a much bigger chance or a better chance for a team that gets off to that good of a start to get into the postseason with a division championship as a possibility, but also three wild card spots to fall back on. The Brewers didn't have, of 1987, the Brewers did not have that benefit and ended up going 91 and 71. They did not make the playoffs. Now, neither the 1981 A's uh, with Billy Martin as their manager won their first 11 games, made it to the ALCS, won the division series. Remember to strike short in 19. 81 season. The A's were one of the two division champions in the first in a two-part season of the American League West. Um, the 1962 Pirates and the 1966 Indians won their first 10 games. Neither team made it to the postseason. But once again, as we go back in history and kind of examine it to really enjoy what's great about baseball history is one team made the playoffs in each league. You, you were either in the World Series or you weren't in the postseason. And the 1962 Pirates lost out to the Giants that year. The 1966 Indians of Cleveland lost to the eventual World Series champion Orioles. So no wild card, no extra division play. So both of those teams did not make the postseason after starting a season 10-0, and zero, but the 1955 Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers, went 10 and 0. Won their first 10 games. Stands out because they're the only team that won 10 or more games before their first loss in a given season and win the World Series. That's what the Rays are looking to beat or uh, kind of do the same as. 
they want to be the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers, but have a chance with one more win to have the most consecutive wins to start a given season. Now, I wanted to talk about Rudy Gobert and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And there's a lot of different tentacles coming out of this, and I think the obvious take is Rudy Gobert looking like an ass by punching his teammate. And it doesn't look good for him at all. You know, you, see, you look at Rudy Gobert and his history. He's the guy that made sure he touched everything at the press conference right before COVID went viral. Made an ass of himself then. You know, has been a good player, defensive player of the year in the, in the NBA. Utah Jazz teams with Donovan Mitchell for a handful of seasons weren't able to get over the hump in the playoffs. And you look, he goes to Minnesota. Minnesota gives up three first-round draft picks to get him, and he's underperformed this year. So all these things put together, you look at him in a heated argument with a teammate, throws a punch. Obviously, he looks like a jackass. Now, his teammate, Kyle Anderson, guy has been around the NBA for a while, San Antonio Spur for a handful of seasons. Now, Greg Popovich moved on from him. That says something right there, right? Memphis was there for four years, um, got some minutes, was getting some PT, and in a team that definitely needed leadership, you know, Kyle Anderson neither uh, made them a more veteran-enhanced team or made them worse. They moved on from him. He's with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, listen, the average NBA fan isn't going to know who Kyle Anderson is. They're not. He's, uh, he's one of a, a dime a dozen when it comes to NBA players that are getting minutes, getting a chance to play for given teams, rotational type of player, but not a star. He came in here the same year as Rudy Gobert, so you can't, you can't give him the break and say, hey, he was the longtime Minnesota player that was kind of holding rank when it came to Gobert joining that team. So both of them were in there on their first year. So... My question, and I said this to other people, you know, Isaiah Stewart uh, getting mad at LeBron James. Who the hell is Isaiah Stewart? Like I said, if you follow the draft, you follow the NBA year in and year out, you kind of know who he is, but he is not a household name. Same thing with Kyle Anderson. You know, who is he to tell Rudy Gobert, a defensive player of the year in the NBA, to play better defense? Now, Rudy, like I said, he puts his foot in his mouth. You know, he, he's the one that had to make a half-ass comment. You know, one of one of those uh, passive-aggressive tweets when it came to Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole in the face. And this obviously wasn't that. This was a punch in in, in the stomach, in the chest area. Um, pretty much one of one of those things that you know didn't didn't look like a big deal. Draymond Green socked Jordan Poole in the face and knocked him to the ground. So you're talking about two different things. But the bottom line, Rudy Gobert being the passive-aggressive asshole that he was, you know, he really looks he looks silly here. He looks just as silly as he did when he's putting his hands all over the podium you know, right before COVID was about to go viral. So as much as I'm disappointed in Rudy Gobert, I look at him and the Jazz, a team that never really went anywhere, a team in Minnesota that lost a close game to the Lakers, they could have had a number seven seed, perhaps, if Gobert was in a lineup. They have a chance to get the number eight seed. Is he going to play? Yeah, Gobert will probably be in a lineup. You know, Jalen McDaniels won't be. 
because he punched a wall and is out for the season. So this is a team in kind of a disarray a little bit. It's interesting to see. I think they played solid without Gobert. Could have beaten the Lakers in a game that went to overtime. But once again, neither of these guys look good here. And I'll close this little segment by saying, who the hell is Kyle Anderson? Nobody knew who he was before he told Rudy Gobert, a defensive player of the year in the NBA, to play better defense. So Odell Beckham Jr. signs with the Baltimore Ravens. And some people believe that that's a sign that Lamar Jackson's going to be with that squad long term. He says in his press conference, kind of a plea for Lamar Jackson to team up with him and let's go out there and win a Super Bowl. I don't know. Listen, all I know about Odell Beckham Jr. is he wants to get paid, just like any other big-time receiver in the National Football League. He's coming off of his second ACL tear that he had in the Super Bowl a couple years ago with the Rams. Missed all of last season. Didn't sign a contract during the season last year for one reason, the fact that he couldn't play. And was holding out for a large sum of money. He got that from the Baltimore Ravens. That's why he's going to play in Baltimore. Would it be a better mixture with him and Lamar Jackson? Of course. One doesn't have anything to do with the other. And let's be real. The Ravens gave him the most money, which is what Beckham took. He was looking for a contract with the most money, just like 99% of other professional athletes when it comes to taking a free agent deal. You take the most money. That's what Odell Beckham did. Now, is he going to be wide receiver one? Yeah, I think he will. He's going to be the starting wide receiver, number one. Probably the best chance to catch the most balls from Lamar Jackson. Obviously a team that can play defense, they can run the football, they're well coached, and the question's going to be, is Lamar Jackson going to be there this season? I'd be shocked if somebody went out there and gave him that fully guaranteed deal or that offer that he's looking for. That being said, I don't see why it doesn't hurt a team to take a risk. You know, A team like Tennessee, which I've said, could use a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. There's other teams out there that can use an upgrade over the player that they have in that position. Lamar Jackson's won an MVP. Lamar Jackson has a better arm than people give him credit for. Obviously, you know what he does with his legs. The question's going to be, and I think this is the biggest fear, how hurt is he from last season? Twofold, once again. This is a kind of a, a an ambiguous question because how much does the injury carry over to this season, but also how much did he hold back in regards to playing while he was dealing with his injury? I think that's something that does have to be brought into the equation. Now, does that mean I'm doubting Lamar Jackson to say, hey, he might not have been as hurt as he thought he was? If Lamar Jackson is paid by that point, there's a better chance that he played in that playoff game, the playoff game that they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. I will etch my footprints in the sand with that comment. So we're going to have a new bumper that's going to come in for my Saving Sports History segment. I'm going to make it witty and funny, but I'm too lazy to do it. Haven't done it yet. But today in Saving Sports History, the 13th day of April 2023, in 1908, the groundbreaking of Shibe Park, a very popular stadium in Philadelphia that was around for a very long time, 
really, uh, if I'm not mistaken, through the year of 1970. Um, was the home of the Philadelphia Athletics from 1909 to 1954, the Philadelphia Phillies from 1938 to 1970, and the NFL's Philadelphia Eagles from 1940 to 1957. In 1926, Walter Johnson threw his seventh career opening day complete game shutout, something you're not going to see very much of in baseball. You're not going to see too many opening day complete games by pitchers. Maybe a Sandy Alcantara every once in a while. Somebody like a Roy Halladay from the Ghost of Christmas Past. But Walter Johnson's seven opening day complete game shutouts. The seventh one at age 38. 1927, the Ottawa Senators won the Stanley Cup over to Boston Bruins. 1940, the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup over to Toronto Maple Leafs. Their last Stanley Cup until they won again in 1994. 1942, the Masters, Byron Nelson wins in a playoff over Ben Hogan. 1944, the Montreal Canadiens win a Stanley Cup over the Chicago Blackhawks. In 1946, I find this interesting, Eddie Clapp was a white pitcher uh, playing, attempted to be signed by the Cleveland Negro Leagues Club. And he was barred from playing baseball in Birmingham, Alabama. Kind of a little bit of prejudice at the very least. Obviously, you're talking about black players that were treated so poorly and segregation going on at that time still. Um, obviously, Jackie Robinson doesn't make his Major League debut until 1947. The guy's name is Clap, perhaps. A little bit of a clap back to the white racism that's going on at the time. 1953. The first game of the Milwaukee Braves in the history of that franchise, 2-0 win over the Cincinnati Reds. First game by a Milwaukee baseball team since 1901, when the Milwaukee Brewers, who eventually became the St. Louis Browns, who are now the Baltimore Orioles, were around for the 1901 season. 1954, a year later, speaking of the Baltimore Orioles, the first game in their franchise history, they lost 3 nothing to the Detroit Tigers. That was the first American League game in Baltimore since 1902. Baltimore Orioles existed in the American League in 1901-1902. 1903 became the New York Highlanders and, of course, now are known as the New York Yankees. Hank Aaron, in that same game for the Milwaukee Braves, made his Major League debut. 1957, the Boston Celtics won their 11th NBA championship, 4-3 series win over the St. Louis Hawks. 1969, George Archer. In 1970, Billy Casper won the Masters in consecutive years. The Masters of 1970 was the last 18-hole playoff, and Casper won the Masters beating Gene Littler. So last time the Masters had an 18-hole playoff if a player or two were finished tied. 1975, Jack Nicklaus wins the Masters. 1980, Seve Ballesteros wins the Masters all on this day on the 13th of April. 1984, Pete Rose becomes the first player since Ty Cobb, first player in the history of the National League. To get 4,000 career hits. A couple more Masters on this day. 1986, Jack Nicholas won. 1997, Tiger Woods. 1992, 
the great head basketball coach of the St. John's at that time, Redmond and now Red Storm, Lou Carnesecca retires. And what a great era of basketball that was during Lou Carnesecca's time as the head coach of the St. John's college basketball team. Hopefully they're going to gain a little more prominence. Hall of Fame head coach Rick Pitino takes over the team. I hope the better days are ahead. 2003, Mike Weir wins the Masters. 2008, Trevor, Trevor Immelman wins the Masters, all on this date. Bubba Watson won in 2014. And in 2019, Greg Popovich became the all-time leader in NBA coaching victories, passing Lenny Wilkins. And, of course, Popovich, Hall of Fame coach in his own right, one of the best to ever do it, five-time NBA champion. Birthdays. On the 13th of April, Bob Devaney, Hall of Fame college football coach from Nebraska, national champion in 1970 and 1971. In 1964, Davis Love III was born on this day. Deaths, the bird, Mark Fidrich, passed away on this day in 2009. Bobby Slick Leonard, Hall of Fame ABA basketball coach, Three-time champion with the Pacers in 1970, 72, and 73. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPaley.com by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey. We're going to do one-minute shorts. Like I said, the introductory one, the first one, I'm a prolegomenal one that I'm going to do is the top ten quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League. Stay tuned for that. Obviously, if you're interested in hearing me flap my yap mouth, you can check out the Passball Show podcast available on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify. We'll be back with you soon. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Pride was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. side of the spectrum they're on. Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100% unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion. <laughs>